You know what? I really think we should tell some stories. I feel like it's a story morning. So it doesn't it feel like a story morning? Because my feeling in the room is that everyone sort of dragged themselves in a little bit. Anyone got that feeling this morning? Like you're here, you sat down, you went, we made it. Anyone got that feeling today? I sort of get that feeling around the room. So that's never good, is it? You know? I mean, I'm glad you're here, that you got yourself here and you're sitting down. But it's a good chance to tell some stories. So um, let's keep them short. All right? One minute max. Can we do that? Half the room went yes, the other half went not on your life. <laughs> so something good has happened to you the last couple of weeks. Somewhere you're breaking through, some great bit that you went through. Rhea. So uh, this week, Ashton broke out in a massive rash all over his body. And I rang Dale and we were praying for him and I took him to the doctor. Um, and they said, it's just a virus, nothing you can do about it. Just kind of get on with it. And... Ashton constantly kept saying, what did you say? Every time there was itchy, what did you say? It's itchy. No. <laughs> Meow. Stop it. Which one? About Jesus. Oh, yeah. About ch- that I played about Jesus each time when it itches. Stop itching. Stop itching in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it went away pretty quickly after that. He just kept saying it over and over again until it lifted and it's all gone. Um, my grandma was um, blind for six months because of a cataract. But uh, last week, she got her operation in her first eye, and then she can see now, so which is really good. And a couple of months, she got his, um, her operation for her next eyes. So it's very good. She can see now. Um, story condensed very quick. We had to sell our house about two years ago. And we rented it back from the owners, which has just been incredible at an amazing, ridiculously stupid rent because my husband said, no, we'll only pay this price. And they said, okay. <laughs> so about um, a month ago, the owners said, oh, they'd bought a house in Sydney for $3 million. So they, we thought, well, that's going to be a challenge on their finances. So um, they said, can we bring an agent over and have a look at the house? And so we said yes. And they came and they looked through... The wife just fell in love with it all over again and just said, I want to live here one day. (laughs) We're going to sell the other house and we're going to sell this and we're going to sell that. So we still rent this house back at this ridiculous rent that we've lived in and owned for 15 years. (laughs) We live as if we own it, we own it, we, we do whatever and it's just been such an incredible provision of God. So they said, we want you to stay as long as you can. Um, last night I was in the van because I'm camping in the van at John's house and I'm out the front there and I just had this real feeling that there was somebody out there. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see anyone. I heard a few noises but I just felt like there was somebody out there and so anyway I was just in the van praying. I turned off my light and I'm just in the van praying there and anyway a little bit later um, the car horn beeped because John's car, once you lock it, if you press the lock button again, it beeps. And I, and I thought, oh, well, maybe they'd seen somebody in there um, from inside and knew someone was out there. But they didn't. Jonah just pressed the button. Um, and then after that, I felt fine. So it was, it was almost like she was meant to do that, even though she didn't know why she was doing it. And I didn't know why she was doing it at the time, but I thought that that was the solution. But, yeah, after that, I felt fine. But, yeah, it was just like it wasn't – I didn't see anyone, but I felt presence of somebody there. 
<laughs> no, I can fit in both of them in it. I'm, I'm nice and quick. Um, our first one is that we bought our house and we moved in yesterday. So we have our new house. Yes, we have our new house. Um, and the second one is that Hope School, which gives music lessons to kids who are from kind of down and out families who can't really afford lessons. Um, but yeah, we started, we took our first student on a few weeks ago. And it's been really amazing. God's just been bringing all these people from the past kind of just along our path, like amazing musicians coming along and asking to be teachers, donating instruments. And, yeah, it's been just really cool how God's just orchestrated it every step of the way. Hope's, I did it shortly. Hope School, um, it partners with people in the community that we find them through chaplains in the school mostly, kids who would love to learn an instrument but, for whatever circumstance in their family, it's just not going to happen for them. So, yeah, we come alongside them and we give them a mentoring and music lesson section. Amy's one of our lovely teachers. Um, and, yeah, we just love on the, the kid and their whole family, really. And, yeah, and teach them, yeah, instrument as well. Yeah, well, mine's to do with um, my lesson yesterday with little Megan, who's um, I'm teaching piano for Hope School. And um, last week I had like a really awful lesson. It was like, well, awful on my part. I'm really, it was probably fine, but I'm really out of my depth. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And like, I'm so confusing this little girl. Anyway, so um, on the way to the lesson this week, I was just going up into the spirit and I was like tired and I wasn't feeling very well. And, and then just as I was driving, I have to like focus. So up in the spirit, but also focusing on the road. Um, and I was just losing it. Like I was so filled with joy. I was just like laughing and full of energy. And anyway, and I just, um, yeah, just sort of like was up in the spirit over their house. And um, then when I got there, we were playing with kites for ages. And then we did a little short lesson and she's come so far in like three weeks. She's gone, she can, she's like reading music and all this stuff that like she didn't even know what the notes on the piano were three weeks ago. So... Um, yeah, grace of God, hey? Yeah. just want you to close your eyes if you're not already. I just feel that the Lord just wants to lift off some limits this morning, just like Miriam sang. You know, if we only look from what we can see down here, we only see the path that we can see. But if we come up and just see ourselves looking down, we see ourselves from a heavenly perspective, we see the path, we can see, we can see things, and we can see that the horizon is much bigger. We can see that all things are possible. And most of the time we look, we look from down here instead of looking from above and looking down. Now, Shara's going to share with us in a little bit about how she got lost in the bush and had to be rescued yesterday. Um, but the thing is, if she'd been able to put a satellite photo on her phone, she would have been able to see all the paths because the photo is taken from above. And that's what it's like with us. If we could see our life, we could see the path that God has for us. We see what God wants to show us from a heavenly perspective. It's so much easier. And I really feel like God wants us to just continue to do that for a little bit this morning is just don't be looking at life from down here. Come up and see and look down from heaven. And that's not a hard thing to do. All we've got to do is look up at Jesus and say, I'm just going to hang out with you. And then he'll start to reveal things to you. <laughs> 
things that we think it's this massive mountain or cliff in the way and he'll go, you know what, it's just a little speed bump. Or he'll lead you away from things that are, that are um, endangering you. And he'll sing back over you. It's like Shara when the helicopter <laughs> spotted her. She was yelling, cooey, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> um, and it's like we can sound back to the Father. That's what it is when we just let our sound, as we're sounding back to him. It's like a frequency happens. It's like that where, you've been, where you see and he sees and like there's something happens. And that's why we let our sound out. We don't have to necessarily even speak words. We just let that out. Oh, God, I've got it. And when we start to do that, lids are lifted off our life. We start to go, oh, just take that off, Lord. Just let me be free in that. And you, don't ha- you know, sometimes you don't have words for that. You just know there's a sound in you, a song in you that needs to come out. And when you engage with that, things start to pop. Things start to pop. So I want us to just, <laughs> we just want to do that for a few minutes of just, just close your eyes and say, Jesus, just show me. You lead me the way. You show me what's ahead. You show me that you're with me. And he says that he'll lead us beside the still waters and that he'll lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That he'll actually lead us. But we have to stop. You know, Shara and, her, and Hannah, her friend, were running around all over the place. But if they'd stopped and, and just listened, and she'll share later that Lord was telling her all the time and she was like, nah, I'm right. Now we've got to stop and listen and get a heavenly perspective. So I want us to do that. And if you feel like the sound, just you just feel that humming or a sound, that's just you releasing that. You know, we put lids on and we put lids on physically well. And, and you know, when something comes up in our hearts, just let it start to bubble up. You'll be amazed at the freedom. It's just like, oh, that's off. Oh, I get that. Does that make sense? So I want us to do that. Just... um. I'm going to get the musicians to play. Ben, can you play? Just close your eyes and just focus on Jesus. Get a heavenly perspective of your life, not of the things that weigh you down. Just give those to him this morning. Just disentangle yourself from the worries and the cares of the world. He's got it all. And he says, I want you to look from a satellite photo of the path I have for you, and it's all okay. It may look like a maze, but I've got it. Look from heaven, heavenly places this morning. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that we just can help us to focus upon you, Lord, just to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Just bring revelation to our hearts and our mind, Lord. Just lift off any burdens right now in the name of Jesus. Just untether ourselves from the cares of the world. pray expansion Lord expansion of what we see as possible I feel like some people are really worried about some stuff and and the Lord's just saying just give it to me and I'm going to show you the way through just give it to me okay I've been asked to share my story of what happened to me yesterday most of you already know because it's on Facebook thanks dad um so my friend Hannah Faz, as most of you know her, and I decided it'd be a nice idea to go for a hour or so walk around Serpentine National Park yesterday. You know, two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, we'll just go for a little walk, you know, have a chat. 
So we talked the whole way up the mountain, had a nice view, walked back down, chatting and dancing and laughing all the way down. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't long after that we realised that things were looking a little bit different than we saw on the way up. We were like, maybe we just, just didn't see things, we're talking, talking too much, I don't know. Oh wait, that wasn't there before. Surely that big pipe wasn't there before. Surely the waterfall wasn't there before. This is interesting. Uh, kept walking, because that's what you do. Thinking, it'll loop around eventually. Then God said, Shari, you turn back. No, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll just keep walking, it'll be fine. Keep walking. Shara, I think you should turn back. Mm, no, no, no. It'll loop around eventually. Like, I'm having a good time. Before long, it had been two and a half hours, and we were still not anywhere near civilization. Nobody, we saw nobody. These two guys passed us like an hour ago. We were like, maybe we should have asked them where we were going. Nah, nah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Keep walking. We get to this point and it is this huge open field and we're going, this is not good. It's four o'clock. The park closes in an hour. We can't get out. I was like, all right, I need to stop. I need to ask God what's going on. He was like, I told you to go back. And I was like, I know, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just, getting t- I'm just getting to trust you. That's all I'm getting, you know. I'm just getting to trust Shara. And I'm like, great. It's all up to me. It's great. I'm like, all right, Lord, you need to help us out because we are lost. There's massive hill. He goes, go up the hill. Are you sure? That doesn't sound like you. <laughs> go up the hill. But it's huge. Go up the hill. Okay. I have to go up the hill. Huh, are you serious? This hill is huge. It's fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Up this hill. It's like two kilometers. So steep. Up the hill. Up the hill. Up the hill. Then he says, You'll be there in 10 minutes. Be with- okay, sweet ass. Keep walking up the hill. Keep walking. And we eventually get to this giant power pole thing And I'm like, this is not where we are. It's now in 10 minutes. You were wrong. I was hearing wrong, obviously, the whole time. You know. Uh, and then I was like, okay, Lord, what do we do now? And then I was like, do we go straight? Mm-mm, that doesn't feel right. Go back? Doesn't feel right. And I was like, I can't just sit here. And he's like, just wait. No, no, no. But I have to keep walking. Like, you know, it's five o'clock. What are we going to do? Anyway, call dad. Dad's like, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Send him a screenshot of like, not satellite, the other one, like the normal one. And it's just like bush. I'm like, this is where we are. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> I'm like, I need help. <laughs> and I'm like, Google Maps has failed us. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's now five o'clock. The clock passes closed. It's getting dark. Anyway, dad calls and he's like, I've called the SES. We're like, what do you mean, the SES? The police, whatever. He's like, SES or police, I don't know. And I'm, Hannah's like, who the SES? And I'm like, I'm the like, people that come get you and you're like lost. And she's like, no, we can find our way out. We're fine. <laughs> so anyway, it starts getting dark and we're like, we are done. Like, this is not good. And um, anyway, soon after, police when calls me. Where are you? Um, um, I'm next to a power pole. What? Like, you know, like those big power poles you get in the sky, you know, and they go up and there's like a house and a, a house, oh, like a building, like a fence and, and there's trees and it's getting a bit dark. He's like, okay, like you're stupid. Like you obviously know where you are. And I was like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Like we're in this. And he's like, all right, a helicopter's coming to get you. We're like, what? A helicopter? This is not okay. Anyway, about half an hour later, his helicopter comes and they were nowhere near where we were. They were over the other side and I'm like oh my gosh 
Anyway, and I'm like, okay, Lord, you need to bring it closer because it's nowhere near where we are. Like, come on, come on, come to me. I'm a beacon. I'm a beacon, you know. Like, let me teleport now. I'll just start teleporting. It's okay. And um, it gets closer and, I, and we get our torch and we shine it and we're waving it. Didn't see us. And it goes away and then my phone dies and I'm like, okay, this is bad. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. <laughs> All right, and then I'm like, okay, Lord, what you need to do is make my phone work, make the deck, make the helicopter come closer, okay. Anyway, my phone's not turning on. I'm like, come on, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. Helicopter comes around, my phone turns on, starts shining it, and we go crazy, like jumping and screaming like all over the place, just around the place. All right, eventually this beacon comes on us, boom, and we're like, it's like circling us around, 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 and we're still jumping and going crazy. Apparently it saw us the first time and they were like, tell them to calm down, but we didn't have our phones on, so we just kept jumping. And they were like, tell the girls to still down, like save the energy. And we're like, we're here, we're here. For like 15 minutes. And we hear like about an hour later, about an hour later, we hear these sirens and these three cop cars pull up. And they're like, hello. And we're like, we're so happy to see you, but this is so embarrassing because there's three cars. And we're just like, oh my gosh. And they're like, are you okay, are you okay? Okay, good. Now, how did you get here? You're in the middle of nowhere. We were so far away. But um, it just proves that, uh, you know, like we sing. A song I wrote was, I want to hear your whisper like it's loudest voice. And I didn't obey that. And I was like, see, whispering of Jesus can really save your butt because we we had plans that night and they got (laughs) cancelled. Um. And um, it's just like also like story, the story of a lost sheep and how, you know, he will protect you the whole time, even if you're going your way, he tells you to go back and, you know, you know that, you know, like I knew on my gut, I was like, I should turn back, but, you know, I'm on an adventure, you know. And um, yeah, and we were talking way too much and having a little bit of too much of a party. And, um, but he was there the whole time and we weren't really scared. We were like, you know, God's got it. Like, I was like, it's fine. I'm not going to die out here, you know. At last, there's kangaroos out here we can eat. I don't know. <laughs> How long can you uh, We can, like, lick the dew off the leaves, apparently. And so Ben said, I was like, sweet, we're fine. I'll dig a hole, there's some water eventually, you know. And, um, <laughs> but um, he had it the whole time. And, you know, it's like he was calling us and we were calling out. And he was like, I've got it, you know, I'm here. And then, yeah, we were all right. It was good. It was a good time. And now I can say I've been in the back of a cop car. I've had a helicopter come and find me. I've been lost in the bush. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Shara's adventure and our um, evening. But I just wanted to just talk to, talk to everybody, but especially the kids as well, is that, you know, there's a story of the lost sheep in the Bible and how um, the shepherd left his 99 sheep to look for the one little sheep. And uh, that's what God will do, even when we go off the wrong path. And, you know, sometimes we can get distracted or we're not listening. You know, God was calling to Shara and Hannah the whole time saying, go back, go back. And uh, they were just, we can have, we can get a little bit distracted. Sometimes we can be in party mode and, oh, yeah, God, I'll get to you later. And then we find ourselves hopelessly lost. And we can all do that. And, um, you know, maybe we're not listening up or we go, I want to do things my way, you know. And kids and adults, we can all do that. We know the right thing to do and we go, nah. I'm going to do my own thing. 
And that can get us big time lost and away from God and being able to hear his voice. And so just like the story of the lost sheep in the Bible is that he will go out and look for you. He's like the helicopter, you know, shining a spotlight to get help to us. And so no matter how lost we can get, um, the idea is not to get lost in the first place. Um, and, um, but to be listening out because he will lead and guide us. He says it will lead us in paths of righteousness and he'll show us the way to go. You know, he says this, and that when we're reading his word and we're listening to what the Bible says, he says he'll show you the path that you're to walk on. And the reason we get lost or in a muddle or lost in the bush in the middle of the night is that often we're not listening to what he's saying and we don't follow what he teaches. And then we go, what are you doing, God? And he goes, well, if you'd been listening, I told you the way to go in the first place. You know, but he forgives us and he overlooks our mess-ups and uh, we live and learn. The main thing is to learn, hey? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I just want to encourage you and the kids, you know, that, that even if you feel a little bit lost or you're out there, if you're, if you're the little lost sheep, that Jesus will come looking. He will, leave, he will leave whatever he needs to to come find you. But our job is to make sure we're listening to his voice and we're reading his word because that's our compass, that's our map. And, uh, and that he'll take care of us. So, um, kids, you've got a little activity outside if you want to do it. Okay. Amy, would you be able to help me out with them? Just, um, I made it a popcorn sheet because I reckon Shara and Hannah, when they were outside with the helicopter on them, they were jumping around like popcorn and uh, wanting to be seen. So we've got popcorn sheep. When you've stuck the popcorn on, you can eat the rest of the popcorn. So... Uh, I believe that Lord wants me to tell you to tell you a story. This is for the one. You know, when Jesus was on one side of the river, he got in the boat and he went to the other side of the river and there was a man on the other side of the river and he was, I guess, what you would call a vagabond or a, he was a crazy man. And... He was very upset and he had a lot of problems, this man. And the Lord prayed for him. And he had lots of spirits inside of him. And he sent the spirits out and he sent them into the pigs. And you know the story that the pigs went over the edge. But the story is is that the Lord said, I went across the river for that one person. For that one person. I went across the lake for that one person. For the one. Not for the many, not for lots, for the one, because he loves the one. And I just want to say today, whomever you are here today, the Lord will shine a light in your life. Let the light come in because the light can overtake the darkness and even when you're at your lowest, the Lord is there. Keep calling out. Amen. We're going to take communion now. So... uh I like talked about last week, I think it was last week, I don't know, they all seem to mull in together sometimes, don't they, but I want us to come and take communion not at 
coming to the cross, but coming into heaven. Because we've been through the cross. Just leave your stuff at the cross. And step into heavenly places that we take communion before the throne. Rather than coming dragging all your stuff and sort of collapsing at the foot of the cross, he says we're seated with him in heavenly places. He never, you know, Jesus never said that we're supposed to come and carry burdens, we're supposed to come in in great depression, we're supposed to come in in hopelessness and, and, you know, drag ourselves to the cross. Paul writes constantly about us being seated in heavenly places, about us being with him. That Jesus is in heaven, and so are we. That that's our home. And uh, communion is almost like our... I guess if I take it like, if you take it that we're ambassadors for Christ, is what Paul says. An ambassador is someone who resides in a foreign country in the embassy, and the embassy belongs to their nation of residence. So if, if you were an ambassador to England, you would reside in England. But where you lived would be in the embassy, which is actually part of Australia. And you are the representative for Australia in England. Does that make sense? That's what an ambassador is. And so we're ambassadors for Christ. And so we live here on the earth... But our residence is heaven. And so where you live is actually heaven on earth. Does that make sense? And so as we take communion, it's like the call back home. It's your connection back to home. And I think too often we've seen ourselves from that earthly perspective rather than seeing ourselves from that heavenly perspective. That you are a resident of the kingdom of heaven. You may live here on earth, but you're a resident of heaven. And in taking communion, we take that as our connection back into Jesus. That he is in us and we're in him. And in that communion is power. Because you see, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, his body broken, his blood shed for us. Amazing things happened in that point. You see, healing happened in that point. Because First Peter 2.24 says that by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. And the whole bit before that verse is talking about your salvation in Christ through his death and resurrection. But also your healing is in him. So when you take communion, you're taking on the DNA of Jesus, and it actually takes your body into a higher frequency of healing, health, and wholeness. So when you take communion, you're taking healing, health, and wholeness upon yourself. And you're throwing off sickness. Paul talks about Jesus becoming poor so that we might be rich. He says that through his poverty... We are rich. 
When did Jesus become poor? When he stepped out of heaven. He stepped out of the richness of heaven and gave up all that richness. Paul says, so that we might become rich. So when you take communion, you're taking on the richness and the wealth of heaven. You're taking on provision for all your needs. But beyond that, you're actually taking on wealth. And when we take, on, take communion, we're taking on salvation. We're throwing off the sin that so easily ensnares us, Paul says, so we can run the race. You're taking on salvation and wholeness. When you take communion, you take on all that heaven offers. You take on his love. You take on his grace and mercy. Because the throne of God, he says, the throne we approach is the throne of grace. It's not a throne of condemnation. It's not a throne of judgment. You know, I think we think more about our sin than what God does. He's not up there looking at you as a sinner. He sees you as pure, holy, and righteous. You may not feel it, but that's irrelevant. There are times I don't feel saved, but that's irrelevant. Because I'm saved, yeah. There were times I haven't felt healed, but you know what? I am. There are times where I felt like, how am I going to meet my needs? But the point is that God's already met my needs through Christ Jesus. Because he says, I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That he'll supply, it's not my problem. He'll supply my healing, he supplies my salvation. He supplies my needs. If you're struggling with that concept, I recommend a great book called Healed and Whole. Special price of $10. You can get some more in-depth information. Available right after the service. Just a shameless plug there. But it's true. And I think too often we feed on what the world says and what the world has to say rather than actually feeding on what Jesus says. I mean, I've got to be honest, I read the book because I need to hear it again. I read those same passages in the Bible over and over again because I need to hear it. See, too often I think we let go of what God has for us and we miss the blessing he has for us because we are so focused on what the world is doing. We need to sit down and come with him. I do this during the week. I grab a cracker. I grab bread. I grab whatever I can find to eat. I grab a little bit of juice. And I sit down with the Bible and just go over those basics of who I am in Christ. And I can feel my whole being, body, soul, and spirit, just rise up to be seated in heavenly places with him. And that's what we're doing right now. We're rising up to be seated in heavenly places with him. That we take communion from a place of authority in him. It's not in us by ourselves. It's in us through Jesus. But I tell you what, when it's in you through Jesus, it says that anything that rises up against Christ, you can cast down. You overcome. Every thought that rises up says you have authority over it. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. But he also says that you are a stronghold for Christ. You're a stronghold. It doesn't matter what Satan throws at you. It's like you're walking out there with a tank and he's throwing a bow and arrow.
the, the guy in the tank doesn't go, ooh, ooh, bow and arrow. Yeah? I mean, how ridiculous is that? But that's, that's how Satan has sold the line, that we forget we're surrounded by the tank of Jesus. There were a stronghold in him. It doesn't matter what happens out there. You are protected in him. You are whole in him. All your needs are in him. And he surrounds you because we're in him and he's in us. It's good to be in God's presence, yeah? I really feel just to take a few minutes just to teach on tithes and offerings. I know many of you go, yeah, we know this. But like we just talked about, it's good to be reminded, yeah. It's good to remember where we are in God. I find people struggle when it comes to money because it's, it's great to ascend and to walk with God and to be in his presence. And that's, it's like this spiritual experience that has a nice physical overflow. But it's almost like tithes and offerings becomes a physical experience with a spiritual overflow. Does that make sense? And so people struggle with it and go, oh, that's such a fleshly thing. And money is such a fleshly thing. Well, it's only fleshly if you make it fleshly. But what God's given you is, is spiritual stewardship of what you have. And Malachi is really the guy that talks a lot about tithes and offerings. In, in I like Malachi because he's my sort of person. He goes straight to the point, you know. You read some of these guys and Paul talks for about three chapters in this great going around in circles and bits and pieces and... He's all nice about it. Malachi just gets straight to the point. And he says in chapter 3, verse 8, Will a man rob God? There's no messing around there. And they says, you know, you say, yet you've robbed me. And you say, but how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. And that we actually rob God through our tithes and offerings. And people go, oh, but, you know, the tithes under the old law and we're free from the law and Jesus fulfilled the law. So tithing isn't important. Actually, yeah, it is. Because tithing was before the law. You know, Cain and Abel brought the first offering to God. And there was no law then. Abraham brought a tithe of all his increase and that was before the law of Moses even came into being. The law of Moses just gave some framework because people were going, how do we relate to God? And that's why the law of Moses came in because it gave people a framework. And then Jesus built on that framework. In fact, the only thing that Jesus commended the Pharisees on was actually their tithing. Do you know that? Because they used to actually get their herb garden and take 10% of their herb garden and tithe it. That's how diligent they were about their tithing. And he actually commended them on it. But people forget that because it's inconvenient. Because the thing about tithing is it actually brings your breakthrough in God. If you feel like you can't get ahead financially, if you feel like you're stuck you feel like you can't break through. One of the keys is actually in tithing. And people say to me all the time, but I can't afford to tithe. But actually you can't afford not to tithe. Because you see, tithing rebukes the devourer. When you feel like you just don't have enough to make ends meet. I mean, my logic is on that. If you can't make ends meet already, then what difference does tithing make? Because you might as well tithe. And get in right with God because you can't meet the ends anyway. 
right? He wants to start tithing. Because tithing is powerful. Tithing is saying, God, I actually acknowledge that what I have, you've given me. And so I bring the first part of that to you. Because your tithe represents your time, your efforts, the things. And he says you're actually cursed with a curse when we don't bring our tithe. If you feel like you're under that curse and you can't have enough and you're not breaking through, it's because of tithing. Because it's about stewardship with what God's given you. And people say, well, when I get some more, then I'll tithe. Well, that's not true either. Because he can't, if he can't trust you to be a good steward of what you already have, why would he give you more? But he says, let me tell you this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. In other words, the church where you meet together, bring your tithe in. Bring it in that there may be food in my house. Now, just to put aside a misnomer here, the tithe does not go to Dale and I. Right? We have an organisational structure that pays us um, sort of a part-time wage. I guess is the best way of saying it. All right? The rest of it goes into the bank account and it's used to pay for things. Okay? So let me just make sure that's really clear that it doesn't go into my pocket. I'm not just doing this to line my pocket. I have a, a wage that is set and it's paid. All right? I don't even get a performance bonus. Just dropping that in there for the board, you know. So this is not about lining my pockets. This is actually about setting you free. All right? This is how you get free financially, how you move ahead. But he says, bring the tithe in the storehouse. There may be food in my house. In other words, we can pay the way through. Yeah, next week we're going to have a brunch. That costs money. So he said, food in the house, literally. It's how you get fed in the house. Next week, physically food. And he says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Now, if you don't feel like you've got the blessing, that's because he actually says something in verse 8. He says, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. And I so want to talk on that, but I'm not going to yet because I'm not allowed to. But you need to be doing offerings as well as tithes. That really pushes the buttons, doesn't it? Man, I thought the tithe was bad enough. Now I've got to do offerings. You need to sow seed above your tithe. All right? But he says, when you do that, he'll open up the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing, you won't be enough to receive it. And I like this, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So we won't destroy the fruit of the ground, the vine. You feel like all the things that you do, it just seems like there's someone devouring what you have. That's what tithing does. Tithing breaks the power of the devourer over your life that you don't keep having things. And if you're not seeing that, then you need to go back to God and say, hey, God, you said the devourer be rebuked so that it's not consuming everything in your life. This is the power of tithes and offerings. It's actually getting into God's financial system because the world system says you've got to go and work harder. The word toil comes to mind is the world system. You keep working harder, you keep going more, and then maybe you'll get through. Maybe you'll see a breakthrough, maybe you'll get ahead a little bit, and then you die. That's the world system. It's actually set up 
Do you know that it's based on the Babylonian system, which is actually set up to control and to keep you down. It's designed that way. All right? Don't believe me? Then do some research into the system. You know, our education system is designed to make soldiers and servants. It's actually based on the English system a long time ago where you went through the education system and you either became a servant to one of the lords or you became a soldier. Both low paid, both designed to keep you in servitude. So that's our education system which then builds into our financial system. Isn't that exciting? That's how the world system works. God's system is the opposite to that. He says, I actually want to prosper you. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundance. Paul says, and he was talking about money, he says that God will supply all your needs so you will be richly blessed in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. That's how God's system works. But the problem is that we look so much into the world system and if I can just do this, if I can just do that, if I can just make this happen, I'll get this happening. But God says, no, there's a simple way of doing it. It's actually by giving. And it starts with the tithe. And then it builds with seed on top of that. And if we don't step into that, if you keep going, when this happens or when that happens, I'll start doing that, I can pretty well guarantee this and that won't happen. Because the world system is not going to let you get to that point because it's not designed to. You have to start where you're at. I remember when I first, you know, I used to make 20 bucks a week. I worked for an electrician, did about three or four hours, I made 20 bucks, and I used to bring my $2 tithe and I put my two dollar tithe in and I thought it was really pathetic because two dollars isn't much right and then I became a pastor and discovered what two dollars can do that's that two dollars when you add that over a year that adds up you know that's something like a microphone cord you don't have a microphone cord to attach to a mic back when up then then how did anyone hear the preaching how did anyone get saved because they couldn't hear the preaching Every little bit makes a difference. You've got to start where you're at. And as God trusts you with what you've got, then he brings the increase and he brings the increase. I'm not saying life will all be smooth. I'm saying that God will take you through. That's his plan. That's the power of giving. And as you give, ascend into heaven. Because you're not giving to me, you're not giving to Dale, you're not giving to the church. We give unto God. Yeah. We we do that as a church. We take ten percent, we actually give it into an organization called Christ for All Nations, which is in Africa, which sees an average of what is it? Some some the figure is that thirty million people have been saved through their ministry since they started. And that's, that's, that's not just, oh, yeah, we came and put our hand up. It's just people who have filled out a response card and they've connected into a church. 
Whole nations in Africa have been transformed that were strong heathenistic or Muslim nations have been transformed into Christian nations through through the ministry of Christ for all nations. And we tithe into them. Every month we take everything that's come in, 10% of it, and we send it off to them to support what they're doing through that work all around the world. Incredible stuff. Have a look at it when you get home. They do amazing work. They send us books and stuff. We should really put them up. They float around somewhere. We'll find them. They keep coming. But um, they're doing a great work. That's what we give into as a church. We tithe too. Because we expect that blessing on us as an organisation. So bless you. We're going to have a good couple of weeks, I think.